Today's reading is from Exodus 3.16.22. Go and gather the elders of Israel together and say to them, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob, have appeared to me, saying, I have observed you and what has done to you in Egypt. And I promise that I will bring you out of the affliction of Egypt to the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, a land flowing with milk and honey. And they will listen to your voice, and you and the elders of Israel shall go to the king of Egypt and say to him, The Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has met with us. And now, please let us go a three days journey into the wilderness, that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. But I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go unless compelled by a mighty hand. So I will stretch out my hand and strike Egypt with all the wonders that I will do in it. After that, he will let you go. And I will give this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. And when you go, you shall not go empty. But each woman shall ask of her neighbor and any woman who lives in her house for gold and silver. For silver and gold jewelry and for clothing, you shall put them on your sons and your daughters, so you shall plunder the Egyptians. This is God's word. You may be seated. We welcome you to MacAv if it's your first time. We're excited to have you in the house with us. If you, uh, would like a Bible, we ask that you raise your hand and uh, Bibles will be coming around. We also want to let you know of a couple of quick house rules. Um, One is that uh, if you have a question, you can ask it in this environment. Our greatest desire is that you would be equipped to live out the gospel. Um, But we ask that your question be something that will edify the entire church body. If it's something that is more particular to you and maybe something you've always wondered, uh, myself or Pastor Eric would love to talk with you after service and and try to answer it as best we can. Um, But if it's something that helps bring clarity to maybe something we all are thinking, uh, please feel free to ask. Uh, I also got to say that um, uh, I didn't know I was going to have a workout before getting up here, so I'm a little winded. Whew, we was rocking. I almost grabbed my wife and started two-stepping for a second, you know. We was getting it today, y'all. <laughs> Amen. And so now, family, will you join me in a word of prayer? Lord, we thank you, we thank you, we thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your promises. And we, we most of all are just thankful for who you are. That we get a chance to know you as you revealed yourself to us in Jesus Christ. And your word. And now, Lord, you allow the Holy Spirit to abide within us. And so, Lord, we are asking that you would allow the spirit uh, to make up for the ways in which we fall short. As our minds want to think about a lot of different things right now, help us to focus. Lord, would you uh, allow the words that I speak to flow from you and not from myself? And uh, would you allow us all to, to worship you during this time? In Jesus' name, amen. 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 So we're going to jump right on board, dive right in. If you are new with us, we're in the book of Exodus. And so uh, you are joining a series. And uh, I really suggest that of of maybe 
all of the chapters, uh, and every chapter is extremely important, but last week's chapter is significant to understanding the whole book, uh, knowing who God is and how he reveals himself uh, is key to understanding uh, the rest of the book of Exodus because he's going to demonstrate who he is based on who he's revealed himself in scripture. And so we invite you to check out last week. But this week we're diving right into verse 16. And so at verse 16 it says, Go and gather the elders of Israel together and say to them, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, of Jacob, has appeared to me saying, I have observed you. And what has been done to you in Egypt? I have observed you and what has been done. That's that's something that's called a a biblical semantic idiom. But that that, that term doesn't mean anything to you. But you do know what an idiom is. It's something that, that each word by itself does not represent the phrase together. Just like if I said to you guys, uh, it's raining cats and dogs. Well, you don't look outside and actually look for a cat and a dog. You know, like each word by itself has their own meaning, but together it means something different. And so here, here we see the Lord saying, I have observed what you, I have observed you and what has been done to you in Egypt. And if you have ever been a child or have ever had a child, what's being communicated here is, is I saw that. I saw that. Now, if you are a, a kid like I am, there's been times when, when I was playing, I got, I got my friend and he has my toy. I'm not too excited about that. So I look around, <laughs> see if anybody sees me. Nobody's around, pop them with a good time. And then mom comes and says, I saw that. Now, I saw that as a loaded term. It just doesn't mean I observed it with my eyes. It means I saw what you did and I'm going to what? I'm going to get you for it. There's going to be a response that accompanies this. See, God in this idiom is saying the same thing to his people. That I know you've been hurting. I know you've been longing for me. I know you've been looking. And I see it. And I'm going to respond. Let's see how in the next verse. He says, and I promise that I will bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt. And I promise that I will bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt. Let me let me ask you a question. How do you engage with a promise? What makes you believe in a promise? What what makes you stand on a promise or be willing to respond to a promise? What make you what what would make you change the behavior of your life based on a promise? I think the promise only becomes real when we understand the one who is making the promise. Understand the strength, character, value, the worth, the realness of the one making the promise. Dream, dream with me for a second. You're looking for a job. You finally get a job call. They, they bring you in and say, great, your interview's today. You show up there. The gentleman that's, that's cutting the grass opens the door for you. He says, oh, come on in. Then he says, excuse me, let, let me clean up a little bit more. Actually, come on into the, to my office. Starts interviewing you. Asking you things about cleaning supplies, lawn machines. And you're there for an interview 
to be the vice president. At the end, he says, you got the job. I don't know about you, but I would be extremely skeptical. I would be extremely worried about that job process. I probably wouldn't change my life based on what this guy said. But imagine if you get to that same location. The same gentleman's on the line where he lets you in. You walk in. The secretary says, the owner of the business will be with you in one moment. Can I get you something cold to drink? You sit down. Owner comes out, killing it with a fresh suit on. Come on in. Let me talk to you. Begin to ask you about your experiences as a vice president. And now the conversation goes great. She leaves saying, we would love for you to start in one month. Some of us would leave that meeting. We would change our whole lives. We sell our house to move. We might, we might, um, you know, start looking for new schools for our kids. Whole life could be changed just because of the person present and the promise that they made. Family, we spent an entire sermon last week on three verses to help us understand who God is and why on his promises it's worth you changing your entire life. We said that God reveals himself as absolute. He reveals himself as having no beginning, no ending. Reveals himself as independent, incomparable. None can compare to who he is. That he is the standard for truth and goodness, we said. So it is because of who he is and who he reveals himself to be that we can believe and stand on his promises. And so he says, I promise that I will bring you out of the affliction of Egypt. And he's going to take them to this, this land of milk and honey. Basically saying, I want to take you to a place that will not only sustain you, but that you get to delight in. That you get to find joy in. A place of peace, a place of shalom. A place of, of milk and honey. And so then we continue on in verse 18. And they will listen to your voice. And you, excuse me, and you and the elders of Israel shall go to the king of Egypt and say to him, the Lord, the God of the Hebrews has met with us. And now, please let us go a three days journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. God is revealing to Moses that things are going to go well for you, brother. They're going to listen to you. Now, you got to remember the situation. Moses might be a bit skeptical right now because we enter into this story right here with Moses as a fugitive. You got to remember, he, 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 Moses is broke. He's working for his, for his father-in-law caring for his sheep and cattle. You know, when, when Moses came on the scene, he had just been dogged by his fellow brothers. Remember that, that, that when, when he goes to try to provide peace between a situation, one of the people of God looks at him and says, what are you going to do? You're going to kill us like you killed that Egyptian? So see, Moses is not coming on the scene like, yeah, I know that all the people are going to have my back. Moses is probably thinking inwardly like, man, I don't, I'm not the man in this town. And God's saying, no, they're going to listen to you. 
They're going to listen to your voice. And watch how, watch how the elders shift. Because you got to ask the question, did the elders see the burning bush? No. Did, did the elders hear God speak when he said, you're on holy ground right now. <laughs> Move your shoes, brother. No. You know, did, did, el, did the elders hear him reveal his name? I am. No. So then the elders say this. And you and the elders of Israel shall go to the king of Egypt. And then as a group, you guys are going to say the Lord, the God of the Hebrews has met with us. And now please let us go a three days journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to the Lord. So how do the elders, the, the ones that are responsible for the people of God, how do they get to this point of saying, man, we're willing to go before the king the one who could kill us all and show that we are in unison with Moses. They get there through faith. You see, my family, the the people of God have always, even though we had the law and we had a lot of different rituals that allowed us to worship the Lord, have always been a people of faith. And so when Moses comes and he's speaking to them, it is by faith that they are saying, Moses, indeed, if God has spoken to you to speak to us, then we are now submitting to your leadership, even to the point of death. Because we get scared when we go to our boss with some tough stuff, right? Uh, uh, Sir, we had a paper. You know what I mean? Like we we get scared over little stuff. (laughs) Try going to the king. Tell him you're going to take a three-day trip. <laughs> Destroy his economy right quick. You know, we're talking, we're talking about some fearful stuff. And they come back and say, we, we now, ha- uh, the God of the Hebrews have met with us. And they're not lying here. This, is, this isn't a lie. We do this all the time as people, whether it's a couple or whether it's a, a um, siblings or sometimes it's like a, a mother and son. OK, and I know y'all been flowing with me with the analogy. So we're going to continue. Imagine you in a grocery store. You got mom and son in a grocery store. I've had this happen to me before with my mama. I go. Mama sends me to one aisle to go get something. She's in another aisle. Now, I get dogged by by a cash register worker one of the people there i get dogged for something she having a bad day i don't know what happened i get dogged i come back start connecting with mama mama sees something wrong what's wrong start telling mama the way i was treated they did what to you okay take me over to that person so now me and mama return to the individual Mama begins to talk to the individual. Mama tells me to shut up because she's about to handle the whole situation. And mama begins to interact with this person as if she was there. You see, there's a oneness, there's a unity between the two of us that if you talk to me that way, it's just like you're talking to my mama that way. You see, that's the way, that's the unity that's being present and that's being presented here. That Moses, to the point of death, if God said it to you, he said it to us, and we're going to submit, King, what you want to do? My family, Mac, may we have that same unity here? May we have that same oneness here? 
Well, if, where, where if a, a slumlord is playing one of our sisters or one of our brothers in the body, we all hurt and break also because they're living in substandard conditions. That we don't just continue on with our life, but our hearts break too as if it was our windows that weren't getting fixed or our heat that wasn't working in the winter. That we wouldn't, we wouldn't casually laugh off jokes about white people. As if, as if, as if inappropriate stuff that's said, but we say, no, man, that's not cool. That's not funny. Cause I, I, I have an image of a person that you're talking about in my mind. And that breaks my heart that you would talk about Sarah or Frank or Caitlin like that. That the unity that we have would be as if we are one because we are one in him. So we see the elders coming on board. And saying, yes, he has met with us. And now, please let us go three days journey into the wilderness. And some of y'all are saying, now, pastor, I know, I know, I know. Chapter 12 tells us it was about 430 years that they were in bondage. Hey, go ahead, sister. So you had a question. Nope, at this point, I'm sorry, this is all a promise. This is all the way he's saying, hey, this is the way I want you guys to roll it out. This is what is going to happen. I'm preparing you. This is how it's going down. We're going to see fleshed out how it actually plays out. But he's getting us prepared for what the commitment is going to look like between the elders and Moses. So that's a great question. That's a great question. Did everyone hear our question? Amen. And so there's been 430 years they've been in bondage, okay? And so you might be thinking like I was when I first read it. I'm like, okay, so they're asking for, uh, what does it say? Please let us go a three days journey into the wilderness. So it's like, come on, King. They gave you 430 years. They can't get a weekend off. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Come on, man. You know, TGIF up in here something, you know? Help them out. But, but, but this is another one of those idioms. It's another one of those, one of those phrases that, that, that communicates so much more. You see, in essence, what they're saying is we are planning to leave for however long it takes for us to worship our God. However long it takes for us to worship our God. And we're going to be away from you, so it's going to impact you. It's going, it's going to affect your economy. It's going to affect, affect the way you do life. We'll see later it's the, the, there's a, a description of houses being merged, of, a, of like a servant with a master living in the same house. So now the little things you depend on for that person who serves you daily, you got to do it yourself. So this is a disruption to life as they know it. It's not simply three days. It's more of saying, give us our freedom so we can worship our God and you're going to have to deal with the consequences. It's a big ask. A big ask. And so in verse 19, it says, but I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go unless compelled by my mighty hand. So I will stretch out my hand and strike Egypt with all the wonders that I will do in it. After that, He will let you go. In 19, God reveals the king's heart. 
He's not saying that he took and made the king's heart that way. He's showing us how the king's heart is. It's a heart that says, I will not let these people go. Only a heavenly king going to have to intervene here because no earthly king is going to change my mind. And so the Lord says, well, I will step in. And he's going to stretch out his hand and strike Egypt. The, the, the effect is going to be miraculous. There's going to be miracles that take place. But those miracles are going to be painful. I've never felt a good strike. <laughs> it's going to hurt. It's going to be damaging. And so in verse 21, he says, and I will give this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians And when you go, you shall not go empty, but each woman shall ask of her neighbor and any woman who lives in her house for silver and gold jewelry and for clothing. You shall put them on your sons and on your daughters. So you shall plunder the Egyptians. I want to take a moment to to help us unpack this concept of favor. Okay, this concept of favor. There's many different meanings depending on your context. You know, even even today we have different meanings. You could say, uh, would you do me a favor? Or you could say, could you bring the party favors? I mean, it just depends on the context. The word matters, okay? So let me show you a few different biblical contexts. And then we'll get to our, what it looks like in our verse. Our verse, excuse me. So if you have Proverbs 13, 15, okay? This, this, this will help us see what it looks like to have favor through good character, okay? Favor through good character. So it says here that uh, good sense wins favor, but the way of the treacherous is their ruin. So the Bible's basically saying, hey, when you model character traits of the Lord, when you're kind, when you're compassionate, when you're uh, uh, quick to listen but slow to speak, people begin to like you. Huh, fancy that. Reflect God, people like you. Bible's real on that one. I know that can be like, kind of like common sense for us, but it should also be convicting to us because some of us are so worried about what other people think and so worried about the image that they have on us that we don't operate in the way the Lord wants us to. So we're scared and we're timid to be who God wants us to be. Some of us need to be quiet. Some of us need to tone it back some so that people actually can enjoy our presence. Okay? So, so, so shoe fits, wear it. Okay? So then we have another area. Through the giving of gifts. So Proverbs 19, 6 says this. It says, many seek the favor of a generous man. And everyone is a friend to a man who gives gifts. Y'all, I'm just... I love the Bible, man. The Bible's like the realest book ever wrote. You know, the Bible said, when you're balling, everybody your friend. <laughs> you know? There's some ways to get favor. You know what I mean? You can buy it. <laughs> everybody got your back then. You know? But, 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 but I, I love because it gives us these different pictures of what favor looks like. And you could have it for all the wrong reasons. But then there's intervention of God. Through God, he intervenes. It's it's also in the New Testament synonymous with grace. 
like unmerited benefits, things that you don't deserve, but you still are able to receive because of who he is. And specifically in this verse, it, it, it has this connotation not only of, of him coming in and intervening, but being contrary to your expectation. Contrary to your expectation. Let me say it one more time. Contrary to your expectations. So now let's look back at the verses that we just covered with a contrary to your expectations lens. It says in verse 21, I will give this people the favor of the sight of the Egyptians. First off, the Egyptians hate you. First off, the second off, I guess, the Egyptians see you as their slaves. The Egyptians see you as their way of maintaining a fun, joyful quality of life. Now you're going to have favor in their sight. So God is saying here, and when you go, you shall go not empty, but each woman shall ask her neighbor and any woman who lives in her house for silver and gold and jewelry and for clothing. See, we see a, a, a something totally contrary to what you would have expected from the people of Egypt. We see them now going to be a people who God says, I promise you this is going to happen. You believe in me, you believe in my name, therefore you can trust this is going to happen, even though you can't see it yet. Even though as this is being said, people are still in bondage. People are still enslaved. Why do I say that? So that you can be encouraged, so that I can be encouraged today. That his promises are true, even though it may not look like what we see right now. As Pastor was talking about the already, the, the not yet, but all, but, but, um, but yet to come, that, that family, we have received such beautiful riches in the glory of who God is, but we haven't fully experienced them yet. But his promises are true. And so right here, we see other examples of that. We see him saying, I'm going to change their hearts. Okay. Not only will they just not hate you. You know what I mean? Sometimes you just want your enemy to not be mad. You know, can you just not dog my name no more? That's all. I'm cool with that. You know, we ain't got to be cool. Just don't dog me. No, he's saying, actually, you're going to have favor. They're going to be, they're going to be your champions now. They're going to have your back because of the way I work in, in this situation. And so he's going to, they're going to set them free, but not only set them free heart wise, they're going to equip the people of God for the journey. The Egyptians now equip the people of God. And what's going to happen? The Egyptians have to sacrifice out of themselves to equip the people of God. God could have said, and I'm going to have them pack a basket for you. Two ham sandwiches and a little water. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? He could have, he could have gave them the basics, the minimal. We don't know exactly what all the items is are, but what, what is communicated is that they were things of value. So as the Egyptians are trying to, going to be used to bless the people of God, it's going to be a sacrifice unto them. It's going to hurt their household or their pockets as they bless the people of God. We see that, 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 uh, these people are living in the same house together. What's described here is basically a servant living in the house of a master. And then the master saying, 
here, let me bless you with jewelry. Let me bless you with clothing. Because the people of God are poor. They don't have much. So you try to endure a long journey in the cold nights of the desert, you won't make it based on what they have. And so they're going to need the people of Egypt to bless them and equip them so that they can endure for this journey. Favor. Contrary to what you expected. Contrary to what you expected. You see, God's favor right here is being shown in, in this chapter, verse chapter 3, verse 21, is being shown towards the enemy. His favors upon the enemy, the enemy's heart is changing, okay? But I also have seen, biblically, as well as in our lives, God's favor upon individuals, okay? We're still the contrary, it's contrary to your expectation, okay? So some of you, some of us, are, are uneducated. Yet contrary to what you would have expected, the Lord still has allowed us to put food on the table every night. God's favor. Some of us have been raised in the streets, seen some crazy things go on. Yet contrary to what you would have expected, the Lord's favor has allowed us to still be kind, compassionate, loving. Some of us have fathers and mothers who were alcoholics, drug addicts, or addicted to certain things. But yet, contrary to what you would have expected, we are not addicted to those vices. Some of us had a a single parent household or a parent died. But yet, contrary to what you would have expected, our homes are stable. Some of my sisters, children, have been molested or raped. And that trauma, contrary to what you would have expected, that trauma could have led you to suicide. But yet today, because of his favor, you're still fighting to believe in his promises and the beauty of who he is. We could have had a comfortable life. Could have, could have had everything provided to us, nice and neat. But contrary to that, we gave our lives to Jesus and said, man, I'm willing to lose it all for the sake of serving him. You see, family, we all were in a place of sin. We all were in a place of need. We all were far from God. I don't care how nice you were or how mean you were. We all were in need of this loving Savior. But contrary to the expectation, we now are saved by his blood saved through his death and resurrection so that gives us reason to kind of to kind of reorient ourselves to kind of see ourselves and how he sees us and so when someone does say to you i'm blessed and highly favored you can say yeah me too (laughs) because i'm saved contrary to our expectations god's favor abounds within the life of the believer And so we're going to end our sermon, family. We're going to end our sermon with the last sentence, imagery imagery from the last sentence in in our pericope for the day. So you shall plunder the Egyptians. You get this image, plunder the Egyptians. You get this image, this image of war. You got one side ready to fight against the other side, okay? Both of those sides come together. It's it's an all-out war. One side conquers the other, 
At the end of that war, the side that wins goes through the other one's town, collects anything of value, anything that they would see to be a benefit to their homeland, tools, weapons. Unfortunately, during this era, women, children, because they could begin to be great slaves. It it, it was just they would conquer and they would take anything that they would see as value. That is called plunder. You see, you, you, don't, you don't get plunder without a battle. You don't get plunder without a, without a fight. But the beauty of what God is trying to reveal to his people is I'm going to be the one that fights. I'm going to be the one that enters into the war. And all you got to do is come around and pick up what's valuable. All you got to do is receive the reward. All you got to do is receive the, the benefits. That's why you see this term favor so beautifully, synonymously connected with the term grace. You don't deserve it. You haven't earned it, yet you're going to benefit from it. And this beautiful holy God is saying, hey, I reveal to you who I am. So now as I make this promise, you can believe in it. You can believe in it. I'm going to change hearts. I'm going to equip you for the journey. And not only that, I'm going to have you benefit from me going ahead of you and conquering your enemies. Family, that's, that's, a, that's an image of Jesus at the cross. It's an image of, of a fight that you couldn't fight. How are, how are you going to fight against sin? We were slaves. If you could have done it, if I could have done it in and of myself, (laughs) it would have happened long before Jesus. But we couldn't. There was no way that we could pay for our own sin. But he says, I'm going to die. I'm going to be brutally killed. But that won't stop me. See, I'm going to be resurrected with all power. And guess who gets to benefit from it? You. Guess who gets to benefit from it? You. Guess who gets to benefit from it? Us. So we are indeed blessed and highly favored because of what this awesome, amazing God has conquered at the cross for us. Let us get excited about the people of God. Let us get excited about his promises, the beauty of who he is. But the lovely thing about us being in a series is that we get to continue to see the people of God and how they respond. And at this vantage point, we can say, oh, I would have done this and I would have done that. We'll see how the people of Egypt respond to these promises, how they show great faith and also great fear and not always fear of God. Sometimes it's fear of man. And we, we can relate to those stories. But today, our hope is in Jesus revealing him, excuse me, God revealing himself, making a promise, allowing his favor to be what brings that promise to pass and us to understand that that's what has happened in Christ in our lives. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, your grace is is, sufficient. It abounds, Lord. We we struggle with your grace because we, we look at our own hearts when no one else is around and, and, and we see the nastiness inside. But you said, that's why I came. 
I came to, to care for the sin, Lord. I, I came to care for you. And so, Lord, let us receive it. Let us believe in your promises. Let us walk in the... Let us live out this faith that you've called us to. Let us be thankful for the favor we do receive, Lord. And Lord, let us allow any favor that we receive, Lord, to be used to to glorify your name. It's in Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen.